1: Starring Richard Widmark
0: Tonight's Dupont play
1: is about a liberty ship in World War II And her
0: strange, exciting mission
1: One of her officers was Maury Reynolds And as our Dupont story opens, here's our star Richard Widmark as Maury Reynolds I was third mate on the Liberty ship, Bedford Forest. She was carrying a cargo of aviation gasoline in a hold and a deck load of bulldozers. Seems like only yesterday. I was on watch on the starboard wing of the bridge just outside the wheelhouse. It was flying fish weather down there between the islands. So blue and tranquil... It was hard to remember there were Jap planes and Jap destroyers up over the horizon to the north. But when I looked down at the bulldozers, lashed hub to hub across the hatches, and when I thought about the big oil drums and the anti-aircraft ammunition cases below decks, I remembered all right. I lifted my glasses again and I made the slow circle, not looking for flying fish. But for the feathered fin of a periscope. And then a higher circle on the other blue above. Looking for a speck that might glint in the sun. Looking for wings in the sun. Good morning, Reynolds. Morning, sir. I'll take over no. Not a thing, Mr. Jorgensen. Thought we might just have sighted the convoy again. Uh, Just possibly. I guess not. No, they're at the beachhead, but now we're seven whole hours behind. We're out of it now. It's hard to take, dragging behind like this, like a poor hound dog, too old to hunt. Don't get excited, son. There's nothing you can do. Now, let's have the glasses. Yeah, sir. You see, I got a brother up ahead on that beach, Mr. Jorgensen In the 177th from Tennessee Oh, I heard tell Now listen, son, there's nothing we can do Since we broke down yesterday, the Bedford's been burning oil like a 12-year-old jalopy Oh, we're out of this strike for good General Forrest would have found something to do Huh? Oh Maybe so But Captain Donald McIver ain't Nathan Bedford Forrest. He's old and he's sick and he's worn out, like his ship. How was he this morning? Worse. Fever's 103. Oh, my. You better get along below and have some rest yourself, son. Oh, but I can't. Well, yes, I guess so. And, uh... Reynolds. Yes? You, uh... You wouldn't resent a little... Personal advice? No, of course not, Mr. Jorgensen. Well, then, uh, don't talk so much about General Forrest. Sure, the ship's named for him, but, now eh, the way you talk, don't let it show so much. Joker Farrell and the others, they'll make you pretty miserable. They do, mister, they do. Eh, uh, don't give them so many chances. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they don't understand. Well, think it over. And as mate of this spaffing tramp, I order you to get some sleep. Shove off, I relieve you. All right. I'll just stop in for a minute at the wireless shack. Check. Make it easy, boy. Well, if it ain't Johnny Reb. Hi, y'all, spoon bread. I'll cut it out. What's new out in the wide blue yonder? Not a thing. They well, must have landed by now up ahead. You heard anything, Sparks? Nothing yet, Maury. Holy smoke, they'll be needing our stuff. Here we are just limping along. Old General Forrest must be galloping circles in his grave. How many horses was it he had shot out from under him now? Forty-nine? Twenty-nine. Now lay off, (laughs) Farrell. Gentlemen, fellow officers, comrades, our ferry boat has been shot out from under. All right, now. We all must ask ourselves, what would General Forrest
0: do? That's enough.
1: Quick as a flash, we all have the answer. Get there firstest with the mostest, and don't spare the horses. General (laughs) Forrest said first with the most. General Forrest was a gentleman. Meaning I'm not, kid? Well, maybe you're right. I've been out here in the boondocks too long. My thin veneer of civilization got all peeled off in New Guinea. Mm. But my heart's still young and gay, though I'm strictly not from Dixie. Now, I'm warning you, Farrell. Now, I'm gonna... now, don't mind me, kid. Look, we were paddling high octane in these parts for a long time before you came aboard. A long time. We've had breakdowns before. And worse, from the Japs. We've had it. Well, we get the stuff there when we can. This is a beat-up cargo ship, not a troop of cavalry. Yeah, but my brother Dave, my
0: older brother, he's up there sure, with that outfit. Sure,
1: and I lost a brother at Anzio. And there's 20,000 brothers of somebody getting pasted on that lousy beachhead right now. If you think about it, you'll go nuts. So relax, relax. All right, all right. Sorry, kid, I talk too much. Okay, Joker, you win uh boy! And now, having delivered myself of those their noble sentiments, I shall hit the sack and curl up with a good book. I shall peruse my precious first edition of uh, Superman, the Man of Steel. So long, Sparks. So long, and Joker. On your way out, leave that door open so that I can get a little fresh air in here. After you, I need it. <laughs> Okay, Sparks. Come on, Stonewalls. As General Forrest was wont to say, chee I guess they had a right to give me a cone over, but they didn't understand. My grandfather, Dabney Reynolds, rode with General Forrest from Shiloh to Chickamauga. When I come aboard this bucket, most of them thought Bedford Forrest was just a lot of trees up in Massachusetts or somewhere. So I told him, too often I guess, about how old General Nathan Bedford Forrest captured Stewart's Yankee cavalry in the war between the states, and Captain Bob Ingersoll's infantry, and about the horses he lost in battle, No. Well, I was ready for the sack too, any sack. The door to the purser's cabin right next to the wireless shack was open. The bunk was empty, so I went in, I stretched out. I thought about Grandpa and the garden house back home in Nashville, with the locusts and the tulip trees, and the old man talking to Dave and me when we were kids of a summer evening. I guess I must have fallen asleep thinking about Grandpa.
0: And so, that's how old Bedford captured Bobby himself. Whole darn regiment he captured. Now, you boys will pardon old man. And I... how many men did he capture, Grandpa? 1,700 plus. Plus how many? Me. Dang it, nobody knows. Them days, David, we didn't care no ad machines or no paperwork with Bedford. And how many men did old Bedford have? There were 600 of us, Mary. Fine fellas, everyone. Now, look here, boy. I told you that it was the last story. Time for my nap. Oh, gee. Just one more, Grandpa. Well, just one more, please. Well, all right, all right. Boy, did I, did I ever tell you about the Battle of Gunsight Gap? Well, sure you did. Only last time... <laughs> well, no, Grandpa. I don't remember you ever did. Tell us now, please. Well, Ed, that, that one was old Bedford at his best. Look, I, I draw it out pretty here in the dust with my walking stick, just like a map. And there there was the Yankees uh, coming down this, this valley road. There. Uh-huh. And and, and right here was with, was we was with Old Bedford on the other side of the mountain. Right, right here, see? Uh-huh. Well, sir, one of our scouts come in and he said, They're over there in the throat of the valley, and they don't know we anywhere around. Well, you know what that meant to General Nathan Bedford-Forrest? Charge! Yes, sir. But it was not so simple. No, sirree. Cause if we if we'd tried to go around that mountain either way, we'd have been too late. No, sir, we, we didn't have time. There was only one thing to do. Go over the mountain. Well, no, no. There, there, there was a gap, you see. They call it gunside gap on, on account it was so small. Nobody had never been through there. Not even hunters went that way. Uh, but old Bedford knew about it, and he knew we had to go through. So in we went. The gap was made by a creek. And half the time, we, we was in water up to a waist. Hey, how'd you keep your powder dry? Dang it, Murray Reynolds, don't interrupt. We threw everything away except for ammunition. We threw all our gear away. bedroll and saddlebags and such. Well, even most of the horses got left behind. We only kept our swords and rifles. You didn't take the horses? Well, some of them, some of them, boy. But lots of them broke their leg and got left behind in that uh, scramble through that awful gap in the mountain. It turned out, though, we didn't need the horses. We got to that, that valley road right here before the Yankees. Well, to make a long story short, when we'd rounded them all up, Colonel Cobb, that was the Yankee commander. He said, General, I can't figure out where my tactics was mistaken. And old Bedford said, 15 minutes above is worth a week of tactics. That's what he said. But that ain't the end of the story, well, right? No, indeed it ain't. But as soon as we got to marching them down the road, from out of the bushes ahead, we heard rifle fire. And the first thing we knew, we were surrounded.
1: Uh, uh, well, it's a wireless. Something's up. Hey, Spox. Spox, what do they say? What? This is for
0: us, all right. Well, what did they say?
1: Looks like orders. I'll have to take it to the captain. But the captain's sick. Well, then the mate ought to see it, I guess. Well, I'll get Jorgensen. While I'm getting him, you can be breaking it. I'll be right back. dispatch is important, all right. We got orders. Now, the main attack on Tulanga, where we were headed, has been fairly successful. But a secondary operation against the next island, Sula's in bad trouble. Uh-oh. Our troops landed okay, took the airstrip, and brought in planes. The Nips made a lucky hit and blew up our gasoline and ammunition. That's bad. Corsairs are grounded. The outfit's short of ammo. Mm. More Jap planes have been reported coming down from the north. The Japs will be on top of them in an hour over there. In short, the Deep Six. What are the orders? We're to get to Sula as fast as we can. Break out that chart, Reynolds. Yes, here it is. I'll spread it out. Now let's have a look. There's Sula. here's our noon position, south by west of Sula. By now, we must be just opposite the island, directly west of it. Ah, but there's this barrier reef in between us and them. Well, we'll have to steam north about, about 20 miles around the end of the barrier island chain. And come down this channel down here. Yeah, and if we do that just about here, the second wave of Jap planes will catch up with us and... X marks the spot. It's suicide. We haven't got time to go up around those islands. Yeah, you're right. We haven't got the time. We haven't got time.
0: We didn't have time to go around the mountain. There was this gap, you see. They called it Gunside Gap to count it was too small. But old Bedford knew about it, and he knew we had to go. Reynolds... Hey, snap out of it. We're in the war
1: again. Oh, yeah. And boy, are we expendable. I, uh, I, I was just thinking... Sick as he is, Captain MacIver will have to decide here. I'll see him at once. Farrell, take over the ward. Right. Hi, Can I go along? Huh? Yeah, come along. What's the matter, boy? Nothing, nothing. nothing. Um, uh, can I look at that chart for a moment? I think maybe... Maybe I've got an idea. You are listening to The Cavalcade of America... starring Richard Widmark as Maury Reynolds... sponsored by the DuPont Company... makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Another one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry... is Dulux Super White Enamel. With this product, you can have gleaming white woodwork... that will stay white and sparkling for years. And since Dulux Super White gives such a hard, smooth surface... It resists dirt and smudging and is so easy to keep clean. Your painting contractor will be glad to give your interior woodwork new life, new charm with Dulux Super White Enamel. And you can rely on his professional skill for a good paint job. Dulux Super White Enamel is one of DuPont's better things for better living through chemistry. DuPont cavalcade continues. We return to the Liberty ship, the Bedford Forest, with her hold full of aviation gas and a load of bulldozers on deck, laboring slowly ahead through tropic seas to beleaguered Sula, helpless under threat of air attack. Captain McIver, his eyes burning with malaria, has roused himself at the news of possible action. Half carried by Jorgensen and Maury Reynolds, he reaches the bridge and is... There's only one possible decision, Mr. Jorgensen. We'll have to push up north around the barrier. At this rate, sir, it'll take us too long to round the point. We'll be too late. The Jap planes are sure to catch us in the channel. We've got to try. Captain McIver say. What is it, Mr. Reynolds? Well, maybe there's another way. Look here at the chart. Uh-huh. It shows a strait, see? Uh-huh. A gap in the reef here, right opposite us, right opposite Sula, where we are now. It's barely five minutes away. Oh, I can't see, boy. I can't see. My eyes blur. How wide is that gap? Oh, it looks to be about uh, sixty feet. or so it's wide enough. Is it numbered on the chart? Yes, it is. One hundred sixteen. Oh, wait a minute! I remember now. We were briefed. Oh, that passage is not navigable, son. Nobody goes through there. But Captain, the tides are high. If we reach it on a good tide, get we can. The tide tables, Mister Reynolds. I see. Douglas and Farrell. Yes. Sir. Come here. Aye, sir. Boys, an idea. We can get through the barrier. Take a look at the chart. There's a straight, number one one six. It's never used. They warned us in port we'd hang her up on the coral, and when the Japs came in, boom, a sitting duck. Hey, Yasser, tide table. Read it, son. Uh, tide'll be full and high. A pair of G at 3:15. That's 15 minutes from now, and plenty of water at mean high tide too. The chart says we're drawing about 27 feet now. I'd say we can make it with luck. By all its right, holy, we'll try, Mr. Georgeson. I right, sir. come left, Mr. Harold. Call the chief. Tell him to give me all he's got, even if he has to gag the safeties. We've got to make that tide.
0: Uh-oh. Call me Shipwreck Farrell. We'll we Bedford knew we had to go through. So in we went. There's a gap
1: right ahead. Oh, thank God my eyes are clearing. Come left a little, Mr. Joggerson. Steady, sir. steady. According to the chart, there's a soft bottom at the eastern mouth here, but there's coral rock ahead near the Sula Bay entrance. Captain MacGyver, sir, we're uh, turning bottom. Look at the white. Here. We're practically knocking coconuts off the trees on both sides, and we're navigating on mud. Well, we'll know in a minute now. The rock bottom's right ahead, Mister Reynolds. Yes, sir. Tell the chief to start pumping out all the tanks, even the fresh water. There's the opening. You can see Sula across the bank. Maybe we're over, Mister. Maybe we're through. That does it. We're hung up higher than a kite and twice as pretty. Ah, There's not enough water. We're loaded so heavy. Out in the open, too, where the Japs can see how pretty we look when they come to call. Gents, prepare to receive a certain convocation of politic worms. Shakespeare. Not to mention bulldozer parts in the belly.
0: We're loaded too heavy. We threw all our gear away, bedrooms and saddlebags and such. Even most of the horses got left behind. We only kept our swords and rifles.
1: Captain McIver. I'm sorry, boy. It was a good try. Captain,
0: the bulldozers. If
1: there's anything those guys ashore don't need now, it's bulldozers. Now, if we could get rid of the boy, deck load... Boy, you're right. All hands! All hands! All right, sir! Get us in the deck cargo! Chop the lashings and prime more. All hands! Push those bulldozers into the side. Your job, Mr. Reynolds. You get down there too, Mr. Reynolds. I see. There wasn't time to rig the cargo booms and no steam to spare for the deck winches. We unshipped the chain rails and knocked away the bracing with sledgehammers. And then we edged those bulldozers over the side, pried them over the scuppers with pinch bars, wrestled them into the sea. The bosun and the sailors, the steward and the messmen, the off watch trialmen and the engineers, they were all there. And Farrell was everywhere, yelling like mad, working like a fiend. And so was I. One by one, they went over until we could feel a light until there were only two big brutes left. The biggest bulldozers in the world, I guess. They were hard up by the hatch comb and we couldn't move them. The men pushed and strained, but... Leave off as you work.
0: Cut it out.
1: No use. Hey, wait a minute, Phil. I got an idea. These babies are all gassed up and ready to eat dirt. I saw to it myself, orders. They expected to build a strip on Talanga in a hurry. What about it? Did you ever drive one, Joker? No, but I can drive a tractor. Well, how about it? Sure, let's go. You take Agnes here and I'll take Beulah. To one side, man, the sea bees of land. Don't forget, when you get it started, open it all away. And when you get to the rail, jump for the deck, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm okay. And look, we're off the rocks. Mr. in full speed ahead. Mr. Reynolds, is there a dock on Sula? Yes, sir. Unless we knocked it out in the attack, the Japs built one. Well, if there's no dock, we'll pile the Bedford up on the beach and unload the drums in the surf. You see anything, Mr. Farrell? Yes, sir, there's a dock, all right. It's swarming with Joes. Bet they can smell that gas coming. Four o'clock. If the Japs are on time, our boys will have to get that stuff off fast. They'll have about 15 minutes. 15 minutes, boss. What's that, son? Oh, uh, nothing. Nothing, nothing. Uh, Sparks has been trying to reach him. Maybe they'll be ready to unload. Yeah, there's cranes on that dock. Man, after nudging those bulldozers around, I'll be glad to see those doe go to work. I aim to watch from the balcony, fanning myself gently. Lift that bar. Don't that fail! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, look at him wrestle those drums up the beat. Yes, sir. But they've got twenty off in the first two minutes. That's a life blood. Maybe we should give him a hand. Uh, Farrell? Who, me? Sure. I'm an officer, sir, and a gentleman. Uh-huh. Ahoy hi there, Ashore. What outfit are you? The 177th
0: Tennessee. First and Bravo. Yahoo!
1: Great heavens. They're Confederates. Hey, that's my brother's regiment. Not so fast, Watson. Maybe they're northern spies. I'll find out. uh Ahoy, below. What you want now, sailor? Here's the sixty-four-dollar question: How many horses did General Nathan Bedford Forrest get shot out from under him? Right, kid. We came to the correct address, we and did. we got here fastest with the mostest. Now I told you he did not say that. You win, kid. You win. <laughs> you know. I'll bet somewhere back home in Tennessee, there's a statue of old Bedford. Sure there is. I must be psychic. Where is it? In Forest Park, Memphis. He's riding King Philip. King Philip? Mm-hmm. That, uh, would be the horse that didn't get conked? Mm-hmm. Kid, you know what I'm gonna do when I get home? What? I'm gonna board that midnight choo-choo straight for Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to have me three quick mint juleps, and then, Seth, then I'm going to go out to that park and kiss King Philip right on the snoot. <laughs> hey, look, the planes are taking off. One. With the most. First with the most. What's that, kid? Fastest with the most, as Joker. Fastest with the most. <sighs> Thanks to Richard Widmark and the Cavalcade players for tonight's story. Now, Bill Hamilton speaking for the DuPont Company. If you were walking down the main street of Crystal City, Texas tonight, you would see a life-size statue of Popeye the Sailor Man. Now, you might stop right in your tracks and wonder, with a smile, what on earth he was doing there. Well, let me tell you. He's there because 35,000 acres around Crystal City and Eagle Pass are planted with spinach, Popeye's own preferred mussel food. Not so long ago, the spinach growers of Texas were losing as much as half their crop year after year. A fungus disease known as white rust was doing the damage. Each season, growers suffered losses. And when food growers suffer... We all, as consumers of food, suffer through our pocketbooks. So one day, if you strolled out on the highway from Crystal City, you would have seen an airplane behaving in a strange way. crisscrossing crossing a field of spinach, the plane would swoop, its wheels almost touching the plants, spreading a white fog behind it. A DuPont technical representative had arranged with an airplane company to dust the plants with DuPont Parsate, fungicide, attempting to cover the bottoms as well as the tops of the leaves. In cooperation with the Texas Agricultural Experiment Station and the growers, he was trying to find out if white rust could be controlled by dusting spinach fields with chemicals from the air. If so, the Texas growers would get better crops. What was learned in Texas could be passed along to growers in all parts of the country. Everybody would benefit, including you and me as consumers. And of course, the DuPont company would have another way of serving you with agricultural chemicals. In this actual case, the DuPont technical man did help solve the problem of the Texas growers. White rust was brought under control. And today, and tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, other DuPont men will help to solve problems for agriculture, for the steel industry, the rubber industry, the textile industry. DuPont customers get more than the products they buy. They get the benefits of a century and a half of technical know-how, along with the DuPont company's better things for better living through chemistry. Chemistry. Next week, the DuPont Cavalcade will present another of your favorite Hollywood stars, Robert Cummings. Our story, Decision in the Valley, is the suspenseful drama of a doctor who gambled his life to save someone he loved, then was asked to take the same chance for the sake of a stranger. Be sure to listen to next week's DuPont Cavalcade and our star, Robert Cummings. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade was written by George H. Faulkner and was adapted from a short story by Walter Havikhurst. Richard Woodmark appeared by arrangement with 20th Century Fox, producers of Under My Skin, starring John Garfield. Music was composed by Arden Cornwell and conducted by Donald Voorhees. The program was directed by John Zoller. DuPont congratulates Paul Vogel for winning one of the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences Awards. His much-sought-after award was for black-and-white photography used to film the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer production Battleground, photographed on DuPont motion picture film. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us wants the children of our nation to grow into strong and useful citizens. By buying Easter Seals, you ensure those children who have... I can see it now as I saw it the first time.